What's going on, Victory Church? Who's going for the Chiefs today? Let me hear Chiefs. Let me hear 49ers. You're going for the 49ers. They bought all of the gear off of NFL.com. They are ready to go. Good morning. Welcome to Victory. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, first of all, you picked a great Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, second of all, let me tell you, welcome. And let me give you just a kind of a quick overview of where we are and what we're doing right now as a church. We began a series last week, and, and more than a series, I'm calling it a campaign, where we are talking about finding your circle. And we're talking through how it's so important for you to have that, that crew, that posse, that group, that circle of friends that are with you to not only navigate life and learn how to parent, learn how to uh, do marriage right and all these different things, but also how to kind of process what you're learning as you walk with the Lord. And we talked last week, I thought this was pretty funny, how most people leave large churches because they say it's too large to get connected. And in the same way, people leave small churches because they say it's too clicky and they can't get connected. And the truth is, is that we all want to be connected. And so we're going to talk for the next few weeks about this. The unique thing that we're doing that we introduced to you last week, and I'm just going to give a real quick overview, is that so, not so much are we talking about finding a new circle, because I think the stereotype is you come to church, you give your heart to Jesus, you want a shift or a change in your life, and people tell you, well, you need to leave all of your current friends, and you need to go find some Christian friends, and that's how you're going to grow. And I just don't believe that's the Lord. Uh, I believe it's our responsibility to make our current circle better, to be able to go back to that circle of friends that we have, and we're changed, and we're different, and we can make an impact. And so one of the things that we're doing, like I said, I'm going to give a real, real quick review. We'll talk about it over the next few weeks is at the end of this series, we are inviting you and encouraging you to pick up a Find Your Circle box where you will take that box, register your circle, your current circle. may have some people in here in your circle, maybe some people at work, or you, you know, your kids do sports together, whatever it is. Um, and you're going to meet for five weeks right after this series. And there's a th about two-minute, three-minute long video you'll show. We've got icebreakers in the box. We have all kinds of things, recipes, so you can make some buffalo chicken dip and hang out together and share the gospel and grow together. And so it's going to be an incredible, incredible time. And as we get closer to that, I'll push that to you even more. But I want you to start praying now if God has called you to host a circle um, it was so cool. We got text messages after last Sunday saying, uh, uh, reserve me box number one. People are excited for this because this is what the church was supposed to be. Um, one of the ways we really designed this after was one of the groups of our church, one of the current circles that meets pretty often. And, and they've known each other for a while and they meet and they'll, they'll get dinner together or you know, they've, they supported Katie together kind of beyond what the church does as missions. And they kind of formed that idea for me as just a group of friends doing life together. And sometimes they get together and talk about the Bible, and sometimes they don't. It's just a concept of them growing together and being there for each other. And when one person's family member passed, they were there for each other. And when one person was going through a financial hardship, they were there for each other. And that's what it's about. Amen? So what I want to talk to you today is I want to talk to you about the contents of your current circle. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at uh, kind of the life of Peter and John, Peter and John were in the circle with Jesus, and then when Jesus ascended into heaven, they were kind of encouraged um, by Jesus to go be a part of their own circles. And so we've been following them, and that's kind of been the, the scriptural foundation for these sermons. Last week, if you weren't here, let me catch you up real quick. Peter and John were going to church. They ran into a man who had been lame since he was uh, born, and through a process of conversation, they led him to healing through Jesus. 
And he got healed, and everything was great, except the religious leaders didn't like that. And so what we didn't read is they came and arrested Peter and John, chastised them, beat them, did the whole deal. And then they decided to release them because they knew that if they killed them, they'd start a riot. And so where we're going to pick up today in Acts chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 4. If you don't, you can read along behind me on the screen or in the app. They, they are released from prison or released from being arrested, and they go straight to their circle. All right, so watch this. Acts chapter 4, we're going to read verses 23 and 24, and then we'll jump to 31. So it's, it's a matter of 10 verses, but we're not reading all 10 verses. So it says, as soon as Peter and John were let go, they went to their friends. All right, so their circle. As soon as they were let go, they went to their circle. And they told them what the high priest and the religious leaders had said. And then they conversate about that for a moment, and while they start to pray. So while their circle is praying, the place where they were meeting trembles and shakes, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. Now, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to you about how it's important that you have the Holy Spirit in your circle. It's going to be pretty incredible when we get to that, but uh, go ahead and go to the next few verses. So they prayed, the Holy Spirit falls, and now it says, watch this, the whole congregation, so the whole circle of people, of believers, was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, hey, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything, and the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. Do me a favor. Look at the person beside you. All right. All right. Get, him, get eye contact. I'm about to give you the title of the sermon, but you got to say it in a whole sentence. All right. You can't say it piece by piece. You got to be able to say it. You got to say it with kind of, kind of some force, as if you were disciplining your children. Okay. So uh, those of you that have children, you know what that's like. Get ready. And here's what you're going to tell them. Look at them and say, check your circle. Do it again. Look at them and say, check your circle. I like, I, like the, I like those of you that actually participate. You'll go to heaven. It'll be great. Um, the rest of you, never mind. That's wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, but whatever football team, those of you that don't participate, whatever football team you like, I hope they lose. And so uh, do it one more time. Look at them and say, check your circle. Check your circle. That's what I should have done. Check your circle. Take out the UR. Just say, yo, check your circle. Um, last Sunday after church was over, we tore down. And then we went to eat lunch, and we went home, and my, my whole entire family took a nap. And I went upstairs and, and got my phone, and I started watching a particular church service on Facebook Live. Um, it's an opportunity for me to just kind of receive a word from me after preaching. And, and so I just kind of sat down on my couch, and I started watching it. And because it was live, there was an opportunity for comments, right, so people can comment. And I'm sitting there, and there's thousands. This is a very large church, and so there's just thousands of comments coming in. And y'all know how that goes. A lot of times people use it for the wrong reasons, and there's real stupid comments coming in and that kind of stuff. And so I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm about to be done watching this simply because of the comments. And all of a sudden, this girl's name came onto the comment area, and I saw something I had never seen before. Do we have that picture? I want to show them this. So uh, here it is right here. I don't know if y'all can see it, but by her, I think it's a girl. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, uh, right here. You see how it says valued commenter? I had never seen that before. So she has this check by her name, and then it says valued commenter. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, like this person has gone through some type of testing or, uh, you know, some type of experience where, where everything she says is considered valuable by Facebook Live. Like, how awesome is that? And so I'm watching all these boneheads talk about all kinds of silly stuff, and then in comes Michelle, who is the valued commenter. And so I'm not lying to you. This is exactly what I thought, because I'm so stupid. And so... 
I'm watching it, and I'm like, I, I'm going to watch what she says. And as you see, she started off so good, right? That's more than what half of you say on Sunday morning, right? All right? So start, everybody practice. Say, so good. Now start using it when I say something good, all right? Some of you are like, that's, not, that's why I don't ever say it. Okay. Anyway, so it said valued commenter. So I'm, I'm like, oh, that was so good. And then I watched it for a little bit longer. And everything she said was positive. You can take it off now. Positive and encouraging and K-love. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just cool. And so I was like, man, this, this, this girl is a valued commenter. And so I watched the whole service. And then after it was done, I said, I wonder what it takes for me to become a valued commenter. Because I would like to be that person. That, that gets onto people's videos, and when they see Troy, they're like, okay, something good's going to happen, right? <laughs> Troy's in the building. I'm about to feel valued. Like, that, that's, that's just how it happens. And so I got on Google, and I was like, how do I get the check mark that says valued commenter? Here's what it said. It says, you get that when, and I quote, you comment frequently. Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> so so, so her, her title wasn't a result of her having something valuable to say. Her title is literally decided by the fact that she talks a lot, right? She's always got something to say. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all know somebody who's always got something to say? You know what I'm talking about? If they're beside you, don't look at them when you raise your hand, all right? How many of y'all think that most of the things they say are not valuable? So help me with that, right? And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is wrong, this is wrong. We need people in our life that when they comment, it's valuable, right? And here's what, I, here's what I felt the Spirit of God tell me, that when it comes to our circles, especially if you're the only Christian in your circle, especially, it's our responsibility to check that circle and to make sure, watch this, that it's not just frequent, but that there's content that's valuable, right? Everybody have a good night. See? That's why I love this church. Y'all are so sarcastic, every one of you. I blame me. And, and that, right? but I, mean, I don't just want my circle to be frequent. I, I want it to be valuable. In other words, my circle can't just be a good concept, but it needs to have some good content. Right? We all have circles that are frequent. We've all, had, we've all been with circles before where we leave feeling way more discouraged than we did when we arrived, right? We've all got people that love to spill the tea, but they don't ever really encourage us. And so we don't want to just have a good concept. We want to have good content. And what I love about Acts chapter 4 is it literally shows us what content you can expect in a great circle. So if you're going to have a great circle, I want to give you three things real quick today that should be the content of your great circle. You ready? Here we go. Number one is this, agreement. Right off the bat, the first content that you should have in your circle is agreement. Look what it says in Acts 4.32. The whole congregation, the whole circle of believers was united as, as one heart, one mind. Now, here's the deal. If we're not careful, we think that means they agree on everything. So we think that means that it, 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 what it doesn't mean is that they all like the same football team. Doesn't mean that, okay? I got people in my circle that like teams that I don't like. That, that's, that's not what it's talking about. It, it doesn't mean that you all have to be cat people or you all have to be dog people. I, I have to express something real quick or explain something because I had people wanting to leave the church last Sunday when I, I said I was a cat person. Uh, I got text messages like, I'm gone. And I was like, all right, enjoy hell. You know what I mean? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
so let me rephrase. I was a cat person. I liked my cat. I don't like your cat, okay? And so I'm not a cat person. And so, you know, but that, that's how we want to we find out people that have everything in common. That's not what it's talking about. When it says they were in one in heart and mind, it doesn't mean they liked the same restaurants. It doesn't mean they had to drink the same sodas. I kind of wrote down my feelings so I didn't want to misquote it. Here's what I believe when it says one in heart, one in mind. It means they saw each other as equal, valuable, purpose-filled children of God. No one less than, no one greater than. We're one in heart, sorry, here, and we're one in mind. Right? So I believe you have value. You believe I have value. We have the same mission and we have the same overall purpose. We want to go to heaven. We want to be with Jesus. We believe people should be saved. We believe people have a purpose. I believe you're called by God. You believe I'm called by God. I believe you have a purpose. You believe I have a purpose. We are one in heart and mind. But you may not have everything in common. One day, so my, my littlest Casey Ray plays soccer, and one day we were hanging out with a bunch of our friends after a game, and her, her, her coach and his wife are good, and his brother are good friends of ours, and so we're all in a circle, and we had a couple more of our friends there, and, and we're literally standing in a circle in the soccer field area talking, and, and we're all in one heart, we're all in one mind, but they're all talking about their obsession with Lord of the Rings, and I haven't seen any of them. And so they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to like throw little innuendos out there and trying to get me to watch it, tell me why it's all exciting. And in that moment, in that circle, there was a lot of disagreement, okay, because they loved it and I wasn't interested in it, but yet we were still one in heart and one in mind. If something would have happened, we would have died for each other. We were, we were ride or die for like bad boys for life, you know what I'm talking about? Like we were, we were a circle, but we didn't have all that agreement in everything. And so I want you to understand what I'm saying when I say agreement. I don't want you leaving here going, well, you have to like everything that I like. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to be about the same mission and purpose, and you have to see me and value me the way I see you and value you, right? Unfortunately, most circles today, watch this, they're more about arguing than they are agreeing. You think about it. Circles everywhere. All you ever see is arguing. Go on Facebook, what do you see? Arguing, right? Everywhere, social media, arguing. People at the water cooler, arguing. Everybody, you go, you, you watch sports and y'all watch sports and you watch the Skip Bayless people and those guys, what are they doing? Arguing. Everybody's arguing. For some reason, our society will argue over stupid things, right? We'll argue over the color of a dress. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like help me with that. Like, why, who cares if it's blue, if it's yellow, it doesn't matter. We'll argue over a sound. Is it Laurel or is it Yanny? You know, which one is it? Here's the problem. You've never in your life said the word Yanny in your vocabulary. Now, you don't know what it sounds like because you never said it, right? But we'll argue, we'll argue, is it paleo or is it vegan or is it keto, right? We're all, we're all arguing. Let me, let me I, can, I can solve that argument. Here we go. Any diet system that doesn't allow you to eat bread is not of God. For those of you that are afraid I'm blasphemous, and you say that boy is using the pulpit for his own benefit, why do they call my Jesus the bread of life? Right? He's not called the broccoli of life. He's not the Brussels sprout of life. He's not the protein shake of life. He's the bread of life. Right? We should eat. Amen? Okay. All right. We have totally. So good. There we go. Set y'all up. I hate it. Um. 
But seriously, if you follow Jesus throughout the New Testament, you will see so many times where people groups will try to come and start an argument with Jesus and his circle. Like, people are always trying to start arguments. There was this one time in particular where they came to Jesus, and they're like, you know, you and your circle really should pay taxes. Like, y'all need to be able to do what everybody else is doing. You need to pay taxes. And Jesus could have easily put them in their place. And in every argument that people tried to start in the Bible, Jesus could have said three things. Matter of fact, there is one uh, particular conversation where it says they just quit asking him questions because he made them look stupid all the time, right, because he is the word. But he would never argue with people. He would just kind of move on or talk about something else. And in this particular time, they're like, you know, you need to pay taxes and da-da-da-da. And here's what he does. He says, you see that body of water over there? Go over there, there will be a fish that will come out, and when that fish opens its mouth, there will be a coin in it. Grab that coin and go give that to Caesar and pay our taxes. Like, that's the way he worked. That's the way he processed. He, you, you'll never see in the Bible where Jesus is, like, in the garden going, nuh-uh. It's not what that says at all. Well, when I see it, it looks like this. Like, there's never a moment where Jesus is just arguing. And I was asking myself all week, like, why don't you see this? And then I read this quote by Mark Twain, and I was like, man, Jesus is so good, because this is why I believe he never argued. Watch this quote. Don't argue with the fool, for onlookers may not be able to tell a difference. Oh, boy. Here's what he's saying. If you spend your time arguing with a fool in foolish arguments, the onlookers won't be able to tell which one's the fool, right? But the person who doesn't argue... I, you know, I have people tell me all the time, they're like, man, you need to have more opinions on stuff. And I'm like, why? Like, because like, here's the deal. If you all of a sudden start talking to me about why your team's the best football team or why Lord of the Rings is the best movie, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to be like, yeah, man, that's cool. That's cool. That's awesome. And I was talking to a friend of mine, like, you need more opinions. And I said, listen, the last thing this world needs is another opinion. What it needs is a mission, right? So I'm not here to give an opinion. I'm not here to argue about things that don't matter. I'm about a mission. And I think Jesus knew this. He said, if I get caught up arguing with fools, then people who are looking on that one day are going to follow me in the gospel, they won't be able to tell if I'm a fool or not. And I love how Paul said it. Go ahead and throw up, uh, so I don't forget this. This is, this is kind of how I want to put a staple on this. Can we start making Christian circles known for less spectacles and more miracles? Right? Because when we argue and act a fool, all we're doing is causing a spectacle. So let's let our circles be less about spectacles and more about miracles. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi, and he lays this out, I think this is pretty cool, on how you and I should approach other people. So watch this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what's that mindset? If I'm in a relationship with other people, I'm supposed to have this mindset. What's that mindset? Here's the mindset. He, Jesus, who, being in very nature God... So he's, he's God, right? He's the Son of God. He's the Trinity. He's God. Did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Here's what that means. That every time Jesus was in the room, he was the smartest person in the room. Every time that Jesus was in a room, he was the person with the most authority. But he never used his equality to God as an advantage over people. There's never a moment where he's out there trying to prove himself, trying to win. Well, I'm the son of God, right? There's never those moments. Instead, God lowered himself, Jesus lowered himself to be like us. Hear me. When it comes to us, the Christians, being in our circles, 
We cannot enter the circle with all of our knowledge and all of our opinions and all of our wisdom and take advantage of that and elevate ourselves above them. Ha, 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 I know more than you. You can't do that. The spirit of God was, I want to be lowered. I want to be, I want to be a servant. I want to be like my circle so that I can impact them. Paul said it like this. I will become, I will be, uh, oh, I forgot the verse now. I will become like all men to all people so that I might win some. So I'm coming into my circle not as wanting to be elevated, right? But I'm coming into my circle looking to serve and looking to blend in and looking to connect so that I can make an actual impact. I think if Jesus could sum it up in a statement, he would say this. When it comes to your circles, focus less on winning the arguments and more on winning their hearts. Focus less on winning the arguments and more on winning their hearts. I wonder how many people don't want to go to the local church because they got in a circle with a bunch of Christians that cared more about winning arguments than they did about winning hearts, right? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. People will hear this and go, well, pastor's saying that I can't ever debate my opinion or I can't get in a, I can't get in a discussion about what I believe. It's not what I'm saying. But you know, you know when you get in a communication or in a conversation, if you're setting out with an agenda or if you're glorifying the, God, glorifying the gospel of God, you know it. So what a circle needs is agreement, right? Number two is this, selflessness. What a great circle is made out of is selflessness. Look what Acts chapter 4 says about selflessness. Put that next verse up there, 33. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. So they didn't, it's not that they didn't claim ownership of what was out there for everybody. You ever been eating with somebody and there's like one item left on the plate? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're sharing an appetizer and there's one chip left and you're just sitting there watching who's going to eat the last chip? You know what I'm talking about? Like there's that, there's that awkward moment. It wasn't even that situation. They weren't claiming ownership on the things they already owned. They shared everything. Hear me. The identity of their circle, the culture of their circle was not what you can do for me. The culture of their circle was what can I do for you. They shared everything. Say everything. They shared everything. One day there was this young guy. He went into this burger spot, got him some food, and he sat down to eat it. And he looks over and there's this elderly couple eating beside him. And so he kind of looks at him, he's watching them, and they, they open the bag and they pull out one single burger, set it on the table, one little thing of fries, set it on the table, and they get a little knife, a little plastic knife, and they cut the burger in half, and the woman slides her half over to the husband, and they dump the fries out, and they kind of divvy them up, you know, and they slide over there. And he's watching this, and he's getting kind of upset, because he's like, man, they can't afford, you know, their own meals, and so let me get up, and I'm, I'm going to bless them. So he walks over there, and he's like, you know, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am. He's like, I notice what's happening here, and I just wanted you to know that it's obvious, you know, if, if the fact is that you can't afford enough meals, I'd love to go buy you another meal, and you can have your own meal. And, and the, the husband just kind of looks at him, and the wife looks up, and she goes, oh, no, no, honey, that's not, that's not the problem at all. She goes, just the older we get, the, the harder it is to eat so much food, and, and so what we'd rather do is just split, and, you know, it, it costs less money and all this kind of stuff. And, and the young man's like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Like, I didn't, you know, should have thought about that. So he goes and sits back down and starts eating his food again. About 10, 10 minutes goes by, and he looks over, and the, the older man, the gentleman, has not touched his food. He's just sitting there like this. Half a burger, fry, hadn't even touched him. And he gets an idea. He goes, oh, I know what's happened. 
the husband has sacrificed for his wife. He doesn't even want a cheeseburger and fries. He wants like a chicken sandwich or a salad or something. And so he, he split it with his wife, but he's not eating it. So he gets up and he walks back over there and he goes, hey, you know, excuse me to bother you again, but I realize what's going on. I'm sure, you know, you guys have been together for a lot of, long time and, and he loves you. And so he doesn't even want a cheeseburger. So could you let me be the one to go buy him some chicken nuggets or a salad? Once again, the old man just kind of looks up at him. And the woman speaks up and she goes, no, no, honey, no, he, he loves burgers. Matter of fact, this is his favorite restaurant and this is his favorite meal. That's why we're here. And the young man looks at the woman and she goes, well, then why, he goes, well, then why isn't he eating? And she goes, easy, he's waiting on his turn with the tea. <laughs> That'll hit y'all at about 1 o'clock this afternoon. Say Share. Everything. Everything. You don't love your circle until you're willing to share your teeth. You know what I'm talking about? Share everything. But listen, listen. Here's what's happening with circles today. Circles today are so selfish they can't be selfless. Right? They're so selfish they can't be selfless. Most circles today remind me of a friend of mine named Cody Newcomb. Now, Cody Newcomb pastors a church now in, in Waverly, Tennessee, I believe, and he's, he's great. But he used to do something every Wednesday night that, that I could not get off my mind when I was prepping this message. Every Wednesday night after our youth service, we'd go to Applebee's, and we'd all eat. It'd be about 30 of us. It'd be some teenagers and some of the young adults and the parents that were working. And we'd just be out, and everybody would be ordering the appetizers and the foods. What Cody would do is he would come in, and he would sit by me, and he would just talk to me for about 10 or 15 minutes. And he'd let everybody in there order their food. And then when they'd come to, come to him, he'd be like, just a water, please. And so they go and get him a water, and about 15, 20 minutes goes by, 25 minutes goes by, 30 minutes go by, and you got 30 people in there, and they're eating, and they're talking, and they're having a good time. And so when they're done, they've all got little bits and pieces of food left on their plate, right? Like if somebody had a cheese, cheese stick order, they might have one cheese stick. Or if somebody had some wontons, they might have a half of a wonton. And what Cody would do is he would stand up about that time when people are getting ready to leave and the bills are coming around, and he would take my drink, my Coke or whatever it was, pick it up, and walk around the restaurant. And he'd go to this person's plate and eat their last cheese stick, you know what I mean? And then he'd go over here and eat this person's one-fourth of a wonton. And then he'd go over here and be like, you know, you're going to eat that? And he would have a full-blown meal. And then when all the bills come, guess who didn't get a bill? Cody. He ate on all of us, right? This is how a lot of circles are nowadays. It's like I don't really want to give anything to the circle, but I want to be able to come through and get what I need, right, when I need it. Like, oh, all of a sudden, I need something. I'm coming to my circle. But when my circle needs me, oh, ho, ho, don't be bringing a bill this way. And so we're so selfish that we don't understand what it means to be selfless. And what great circles are, listen to me, the healthiest moment of a circle is when every person in the circle is more focused on what you need than what I need. When Darla and I counsel people for marriage, we tell them this, a marriage is not 50-50. It's 100 and 100. And the concept is, you as the husband need to be, I'm all in whether my wife is, not, is or not. And the wife's mindset needs to be, I'm all in whether my husband is or not. Because what we want to do is we want to be all in as long as they are all in, right? And that flows into our friendships. I'll help you move if you help me move, you know what I'm saying? And the concept is being able to be focused on what can I do for you, not what you can do for me. Jesus literally modeled this for us when he picked his disciples. Think, I, I've never really thought about it this deep before, but I did this week. So he picks 12 people, in case you're not familiar with this story in the Bible, he picks 12 men to be his disciples. And think about this, I said this last week, he's got three and a half years to share his message across the world before he dies. 
So he could have had an agenda in strategically picking the people he surrounded himself with. For example, he might have said, I need to find somebody with some money because I need some money to be able to fund my campaign. So I need to go find me the richest dude in Jerusalem, and I need to wash his feet and get him on my circle. He may have said, I need a couple of guys with some influence, right? I, I, I need some self-made millionaires. I need some guys that got some, some business structure in them. I need somebody who's managing something. I need somebody who, who started a business from scratch. I need to go find some of these people and get them in my circle so that when it comes to my agenda, my goal, my mission, they can help me, right? Wouldn't that have made sense for Jesus to do that? Instead, Jesus goes and gets 12 boneheads, right? Goes and gets some fishermen and a tax collector. These guys, they don't, they're so out there that one time he's teaching them about yeast, right? Talking about sin and yeast, and they're like, did you bring the bread? I didn't bring the bread. Did you bring the bread? Like, they're just, they're out there. So it's like, why would Jesus pick these guys? It's the same question you've been asking yourself for years. Why in the world would Jesus pick me? Right? What, what, what's going on? Like, why would he pick the? Why didn't he pick people that could do something for him? And he did it because Jesus understood that the gospel, the ministry, if it was gonna go forward, listen to me, it was not gonna happen in a circle where everybody's selfish and worried about themselves. It was gonna happen in a circle where everybody's mindset is, "What can I do for you? Not what you can do for me." There was no better definition of this than when the Son of God got down and washed their feet. He's illustrating it for us. You should be servants to your circle. Jesus spent more time praying with his circle, eating with his circle, hanging out with his circle. He just, he just loved it. That's what he found all of his excitement and his fulfillment and his glory in was just being with his circle. Because it was what can I do for you, not what can you do for me. Look at this verse in John. This is pretty cool. Jesus says this, and I don't know if you've ever actually read this and connected it before, but Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I always heard, you know, Jesus loves little children. He has the whole world. He's got the whole world. Spirit fingers. Okay. So that's our concept. Like, no, no, Jesus should be praying over the whole world. Look what he says. This is crazy. This is Jesus. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you and all who are mine belong to you and you've given them to me so they bring me glory. Here's what he's saying. Everybody belongs to you, God, but you picked a circle of people and you gave them to me. You gave them. When's the last time you thanked God for the people that he gave you? Do you even see them as a gift or are they a curse? They, God gave them to you. And all throughout his scripture, he teaches stewardship. Tithing, stewardship. Serving with your gift, stewardship. In this church, we're all about give, God, go, grow. It's all about stewardship. And he gives you your circle of friends to steward. To steward. So that when we had a, cl a close couple in, in the church and, and uh, one of the, hus the husband of the couple ha had some health issues this week. We found out about it. We jumped on it. We're texting them. Darla's calling. We're trying to figure You all right? Stewardship. Another couple in the church that are good friends with us, the husband's out of town because his brother passed. He calls me. He's in the ambulance going in there. His mom had just had a stroke. He's at, uh, he's out of town to be at his brother's funeral. His mom just had a stroke. He's in the ambulance. He's calling me, Pastor Pray. Stewardship. What if I'd have been like, well, what have you done for me lately? 
right? I'll pray when you get here and set up church. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of concept. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus is modeling for us, y'all, your friends are a gift. They're a gift. The people God's put in your life are a gift. And you shouldn't be selfish. You should be selfless. If you have not asked your friends this week, hey, what do you need? You need to go on a date? I'll watch your kids. You need a shirt? I got three. I was about to give to Goodwill. You need some shoes? One time Jamal borrowed my shoes. Can I talk about this? You're lucky you don't got them on. I had some tan Chelsea boots. And the colors, Miss Crystal, who, who don't know anything about football, she puts together the, the, the wardrobe for the worship team. It's incredible. And he calls me one night. It's like Saturday night. I'm like, you should be asleep. He's like, bro, can I borrow them tan uh, Chelsea boots? And I was like, sure, yeah. Borrow. You see that? Borrow. And because I'm a steward of my circle, I said, uh, I said, sure. So I come up here. I gave him the boots. A couple weeks go by. I didn't have them yet. I walked in. He was wearing them again. And I went to say, hey, bro, just keep them. And you know what he said to me? I was going to anyway. But that's just, it's just the relationship, y'all. It's the relationship. If I ever need anything from him, he's there. If he ever needs anything from me, I'm there. That's what I'm talking about. Like, we got to get to a place where we're not so focused on me, what you can do for me. What can I do for you? You know what I have figured out about life, and you can literally pull me aside after service if you think I'm wrong. If you will be all about them, somebody will be all about you. Right? It will happen. You're all about them. Somebody will be all about you. So I'm studying this week. This is cool. Jesus is so good. And he starts showing me through some studying that when he picked 12 disciples, there was an underlining message about how you and I are supposed to be with the circles that we hang out with. See, most of the time when we hear that Jesus picked 12 disciples, we're like, he just, for some reason, likes even numbers. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the concept of that is. But here was the concept. In the Old Testament day, the priest would wear like this breastplate, okay? So let's, let's practice this real quick. This is not exactly what it looked like, but just bear with me. And so the priest would have like this breastplate. And on this breastplate that they wore would be these 12 stones, not the infinity stones, don't get it twisted, okay? <laughs> these 12 stones, and they were all different colors. And on these 12 stones, they would be engraved with a different name of one of the tribes of Israel. So there were 12 tribes of Israel, and he would engrave a name, so it would be whatever this one was, whatever this one was, whatever this one is, on these 12 stones. One of the main purposes for it is when they were praying, they knew who to pray for. When they were serving, they knew who they were serving for, right? So it was this moment of remembrance of like, this is my circle. So when Jesus picks 12 people, he is symbolizing the Old Testament principle that, hey, these aren't just uh, people who are going to serve or do something for me. These are people that I pray for. These are people that I live for. These are people that I'm here to serve. So I started thinking about it. I, I, I brought up some guys for me last week. Um, and so I'm just going to, so we had Malcolm was up here. All right. We have P. Brian was up here. Pastor Brian, P. Brian sounds weird. Jamal Steel Shoe Stiller was up here. Chris, bear with me. Eat your popcorn. Bear with me. Nick Arnone was up here. My Nomi, my big Nomi. That's an inside joke. Y'all should go to Growth Track. You'll figure it out. You won't, but you'll serve on the team. All right. Um, Dallas. Am I forgetting somebody? Y'all don't care. Okay, so this was my, so imagine this now, right? So this is the illustration I want you to get that Jesus is giving. 
Like this isn't just your circle. This isn't just your small group. This isn't just the people that you sit by at church. These are the people that God has given you and gifted you with to pray for, right, to think about. Every morning you should be praying for them, every morning. Every week you should be checking in them. There should be some type of connect. This is the visual that Jesus had when it came to your circle. This was the concept. It's not just a group of people. It's people that you are literally dictating your life around to be able to be impactful for. And again, if you'll focus on them, somebody will focus on you. Does that make sense? I think it's so important that we catch this. Like this, this is what Jesus wanted us to understand, that it's not about you. It's not about what the group can do for you. It's about what you can do for the group. And when that's your focus, then what you need will be met. Amen? All right. Say so good. I just needed a reason to be able to get that off of me real quick. So when you're looking at the contents of a great circle, you got agreement, selflessness, and then last you have grace. Those verses in Acts, verse 33, ends like this. The apostles gave power, powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. Grace was on all of them. I think, honestly, this is the area where circles today are failing the most. Because most circles today are looking for an opportunity to share gossip before they're looking for an opportunity to show grace. Right? Do you know how much gossip Jesus could have shared from the disciples? These dudes were bad boys. They were fishermen. You know, their, their language was bad. You know what I'm talking about? He could have he had all kinds of gossip. People could have gathered around, let me tell you what Mark did. <laughs> let me tell you how dumb Peter is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he could have had all this gossip. But his focus wasn't gossip. For some, somehow, some way, we have moved into a culture where our circle is about where we can get more tea. I, I, I don't understand it. It was never supposed to be about gossip. It was supposed to be about grace. And understanding that what I need from my circle is somebody that's going to help me understand, hey, this happens to everybody. C.S. Lewis wrote this quote, and y'all, you want to talk about something that will mess you up. Watch this. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Isn't that incredible? That's where friendship is born. Not when you go, oh, you did that? Oh, gosh, you're such a terrible person. Isn't it funny how Christians, we, got, we get amnesia. We get saved, we forget we did stuff. Like all of a sudden, you did stuff worse than they did. All of a sudden, you're high and mighty. C.S. Lewis says, no, no, friendship is born at the moment where you go, what? That's crazy. Me too. I don't know how to parent my kids either. I yelled at my child last night too, and I felt like a terrible dad. You do too? We're terrible dads together. We can have a sitcom, my two terrible dads. Right? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, man, you fell back into that, that thing you said you were going to stop? You fell back into it too? Yeah, me too. Me too. But I'm not in it anymore. You know, you know that's that kind of concept. It's grace. When, when I, a lot of y'all know this, the way I got saved is I walked into an algebra class and I sat down beside Brian Hogwood. And we start talking. We're talking about basketball and girls and the things that are important in life. And, uh, and he starts telling me to church. He starts talking about church, but he doesn't invite me to church at that moment. He just starts telling me about church. And this went on for weeks. I don't really have all the details in my head anymore. But one thing that I'll never forget was the first night that Pastor Brian took me to church with him. I, keep in mind, I had never been to church before. 
never. I was probably, I don't know, PB 17, maybe something like that. I had never been to church before, maybe 16. And we go into his youth group. He was a, he was a, and he was real popular, well-known. You know, he was one of those guys. We walk into the youth group. And I don't know if y'all have ever been to a youth group before like this, but we walked in, there were pool tables and all this kind of stuff, TVs for video games, and there were like these dividers, kind of like our curtains. And on the other side of the dividers were probably, I don't know, 150 kids, and they had like the band up on stage, kind of like Sunday service here, and they were rocking, but I had never been to church before. It's one reason, let me tell you why Pastor Brian always says, if you didn't raise your hands, you didn't worship, it's okay. The reason he said it is because one time he brought somebody into the place that had never raised their hand and had never been a part of that, and there was so much opportunity for me to go, I don't belong here. Because I don't know why that dude's lifting his hands. I don't know why she's crying because this song ain't even that good. You know what I mean? And so I'll never forget it. I walked in, and there was an opening in the dividers again like this. And I walked in, and I saw it, and all these kids. And I'm like, where is this? This is a cult. Like, what have I done? But... Again, and, and I want to say all this, and I'm going to come back and put the staple on what I'm saying is, you know, he takes me to the, you know, we stand up for worship. He, ne- he never once went, bro, raise your hand. He, I, I don't even remember what he did, but he just, he just stood there beside me. And the whole time, the whole worship set, I was like, you know, like, are they going to play Kanye West next? Like, what's, you know. We go and sit down, the service happens, after service, he starts connecting me to people, hey, this is Tracy, and hey, this is Julie, and, and this is Brandon, and all that. I'm meeting people, we're hanging out, and then they went and played basketball, went and played basketball. Listen, here's, here, it's just so cool this week, the Holy Spirit told me this, I never thought about it. He said, your friend did such a good job of making you blend in. I didn't stand out amongst a bunch of Christians when I wasn't a Christian. I didn't believe in anything they believed in at that moment. Not because I was mean or arrogant, I just didn't understand it. But I came because of a guy that was in my circle. And when that guy brought me in, he didn't treat me like he was better than me. He didn't use his his relationship with God to elevate himself above me. He didn't come in and try to, hey, watch me worship. It was none of that. He just said, hey, man, come on. And who he was in algebra class is who he was in youth group. And I'm convinced with all of my heart that the reason why I stuck around that church and the reason I ended up giving my heart to Jesus and the reason why I ended up serving on staff at that church and the reason why that church helped us move and plant this church is all because the first time I ever walked in, I didn't feel like I walked in with a bunch of people where I didn't belong. I felt like I was blending in. And this is how cool the Lord is. Because he'll give me thoughts like that, you know, kind of like a, like a life illustration. And then if I'm not careful, I'll go, but that's not what the Bible says. And then the Lord will be like, bam, that's what the Bible says. All right, so watch this. I'm almost done. If you know anything about the story of Jesus, Jesus has his 12 disciples. One of those disciples is a guy by the name of Judas, right? What does Judas do? Betrays him. Okay, so Judas ends up selling him, selling his life away for some money. And he, he tells them who, you know, he, he, he gives them Jesus and they, they kill Jesus. Judas ends up killing himself. It's like we know all of that, right? A lot of you know this story. You get it. Judas the betrayer, you know, we get it. I read a verse this week. I had never seen this before, never thought about it like this. But because I was already on the mind track of Pastor Brian bringing me into that place and me blending in with him and him blending in with me, you know what's so funny? I I didn't feel like people walked up and treated him different and treated me different because he did such a good job of blending us in. Now, I don't know if he purposely tied his hair up in those little knots or pulled one pants leg up, even though he did. I don't know if he did that because if I look goofy, he was going to look goofy too. But we blended in. So watch this, Matthew chapter 26, verse 48. If you've been looking for a new tattoo, get this tattooed on you. Watch this. Now the betrayer 
had arranged a signal with them. Them is all of the religious group that were coming to kill Jesus. He arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. The one I kiss is the man. Can I ask you a question? Jesus was so well known. He had gone into town after town after town, doing all these miracles, shaking everything up. You better believe they had wanted posters and everything. And yet for some reason, somehow, these guys needed a signal to know who Jesus was. Why would they have needed a signal to know who Jesus was? Because he was so good at blending in with his circle. The Son of God. And he's in a circle with some fishermen and a tax collector. And they can't pick out Jesus. Think about that. What if God called you to the circle that's in your life, not so you could walk in and be above them and start beating them on the head with Bibles? What if the mission was that you could come in and blend in? People don't even know that Jesus is there. He's there. But it's not one of those, oh, got to get away from them. Oh, I got to act right. You know, it's so funny. I'll be talking to people, and because I'm a pastor, they assume these things about me. And I'll be like, hey, man, what's your favorite song? And they'll be like, oh, Chris Tomlin's new song. Like, nobody listens to Chris Tomlin. Like, you know you, know you just listened to Cardi B on the way to church. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Like, people think that for some reason they have to be something different because I'm a pastor. I'm a human being, y'all. I'm, I'm just as normal. I, I play NBA 2, 2K, 220, whatever, way more than I should, too. I could, I could go down some roads and make y'all want to leave this church. I'm just a human being. But what I love, I'll never forget this. Been, uh, Ken and Vonnie told me one time, they said, it's so cool to have a pastor that he's just in the gym. They said, we're working out, you're just in the gym. Yeah, because my goal has always been, I just want to blend in. I just want to blend in. And then here's what I know about my God. If I'm just real about who he is in my life, eventually he's got to rub off on you. Got to. He's got to. I don't, I don't come into it with this, this mindset of, well, I won't say anything, and then, you know, if they influence me. No, I just come in and be me. But I blend in, and now they get to learn. You see what I'm saying? It's so powerful. So watch this. Mm. Please, please understand what I'm saying right here. There are people in your circle who cannot get to grace on their own. So Jesus called you to take grace to them. Man. There are people that need the grace of Jesus right now. They need to know that despite whatever they did, despite who they are, where they're from, the thought they had last night, the way they spent their money today, they need to know that the grace of Jesus is for them. And sometimes people can't get to grace because there's so much just, uh. And Jesus said, that's why I put you in their circle. Because they can't get to grace, but maybe I can get grace to them. I can get it to them in a gym. I can get it to them in a Cheddar's. God will save more people outside of the church than he ever will in the church. This place should be where you come to get more gas in the vehicle of sharing the gospel. But you have to understand that you are a carrier of grace. Make sense? God's given you a circle. And I believe God's going to call you to lead that circle. But hear me right now. You need to start preparing your mind that that's the three things we need to see in it. 
agreement. Quit arguing with people. Show agreement being one heart, one mind, selflessness. Quit letting it be all about you. Let it be all about them. And then when something goes wrong or someone messes up or something happens, don't start gossiping. Start showing grace. Amen? You received this word today? Father, we thank you for your word, for who you are, for how it's so clear even today it lays out ahead of us exactly how we should treat those around us. And I just know that this concept of finding our circle, I, I think some people might have thought that we were just going to put strategies of how they could find friends. But I think your word does a better job of showing us how to be a better friend, how to be a true Christian friend, how to bring your love and your grace into the relationships that we already have. So I pray right now for every person in this room, for the influence that they are and the influences that they have around them, that they would start implementing those things, that there'd be less arguing and more agreeing, there'd be less selfishness and more selflessness, and there'd be no gossip, and it'd be full of grace. Help us this week, Lord, to do that, to take grace to people that are at our job. Pray right now for that person in this room that they know someone in their circle is at their job. That person will never experience grace if they don't take it to them. Someone they go to school with, someone that their kids are friends with, someone that they see at Starbucks or the restaurant, someone that's a family member, someone that was a friend a long time ago. Lord, you've called them to be the one that carries grace to them. And that's what it really means to find our circle. Not just to find friends, but to find those that you've given us so that we can find glory in leading them to the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.